podcast and turn a monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the Babylon 5 Season 5 episode, Objects at Rest. So, from... Uh, this is not technically the last episode, it's the penultimate episode, but from a real-life perspective, it was the last one filmed due to Sleeping Light being filmed uh, during Season 4 just in case the cancellation was never you know, uh, stopped, or, or at least they weren't renewed, uh, so, uh, that's why Avondava's just suddenly gonna be back next episode, uh, but also this, that makes this the episode that was the filmed, uh, last, uh, and you can see that, uh, in the scene where everybody, uh, is saying goodbye to Sheridan and Delenn, as they go uh, and leave Babylon 5 to hit the Mimbar, uh, most of those extras are crew members uh, as well as other cast members uh, outside of their makeup. Right, standing right next to Sheridan is uh, j- just a little bit to his left is Peter Jurassic outside of the Londo makeup, just his ordinary normal self, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. It's a way for the, everybody... Uh, to be there and say goodbye to this show that they have been a part of for so long. Um, this episode is very, very emotional, and it, it tugs at the heartstrings at multiple times. Uh, like, the idea behind, uh, especially the first half of this uh, episode, is that the old guard is going away and the new guard is coming in, that uh, everybody on the station is essentially getting a replacement. Dr. Hobbs shows back up, uh, and of course, Franklin appoints her as his replacement, which is cool. Like, we never really got to see much of his medical staff uh, outside of a handful of roles, and Dr. Hobbs is probably the most prevalent of them. Uh, and uh, so it was nice to see her back, even though she hasn't been around for like almost two years. Uh, and, and of course, it makes sense that he would appoint her because at the end of the day, she not only is willing to stand up for what she believes in, but she forced him to acknowledge his problems. She ultimately saved his life. Uh, and so this is his way of paying her back, essentially. Uh, Talon becomes the new Narn ambassador. Um, and Jakar has that wonderful, wonderful uh, video message to Talon, which the camera trick, uh, the directing of that uh, that uh, scene is beautiful, because essentially you have the screen split in half uh, along time uh, time links, where basically you have uh, Jakar recording the message on the left side of the screen and on the right side you have Talon listening to the message in the future and it, it, it's it's kind of cool so you can have a very personal touch of them standing next to each other exchanging words but they don't actually they're not actually interacting it's actually pretty clever and pretty cool looking uh and I like how Jakara admits you know to be the ambassador you must be priest and warrior in equal measure uh and he was far different when he showed up here than he is now and he is now more priest than he is warrior and perhaps it is time for him to uh move on and for someone else someone with much more fire in their their heart uh to uh, come by and uh make changes grow the Narn people to be closer to their allies, uh, that a new perspective is needed. And th- that's the constant through line, is that uh, Veer is the new perspective of the Centauri, 
um, and uh, Talana's new perspective of the Narn. Uh, Lockley is the you know new perspective of Earth. Um, you you have uh, Hobbes being the the new uh, Doctor. You know every everything is moving forward. The this story is ending. But stories in this universe involving these characters will continue on, and Babylon 5 itself will continue on until its inevitable decommissioning. I, I like how uh, Garibaldi deals with his new board. Uh, we only get to see a couple scenes with him, uh, obviously, because we've already had his big goodbye, but I like how he shows up to the office and he's like, hey, every single one of you are troublemakers. Every single one of you... Uh, are known uh, uh, as being a uh, problem child. You've been stuck in the same positions for years, not making any progress. You get on people's nerves, but you know what? That's what I'm looking for. It's very Garibaldi, very much boots on the ground, ordinary person. Uh, and he, uh, you know, strives in, uh, in uh, work environments that have that sort of, uh, n not necessarily a competitive streak, but willing to stand up for your principles. Um, and uh, it's just a very Garibaldi to say, hey, if, if you stand your ground and you prove me wrong, you get a raise. If uh, you, you, you know, if, if you are wrong and you, and you stood up to me for no reason at all, I will eat you for lunch. That's very Garibaldi. Now, the I, I do like how Delayed and Sheridan really want to leave quietly. Essentially, Sheridan wants to leave the same way he came aboard. He came aboard, he was welcomed by Ivanova, uh, and he had a plan to, you know, give this great speech that he gives every time. It's his good luck speech, and he didn't able he wasn't able to finish it, so he gave it by himself just because it's his good luck charm so he wants to leave in a similar way alone with his wife without much fanfare of course the media leaks it and everybody has to say goodbye to him and i love that scene uh what dylan says uh holds special meaning to me much like jakar's uh speech from last episode um I played that scene when I said goodbye to the society I ran. I ran the comic book society um, at my uh, university. And, of course, I, you know, had to give up leadership when I left university after I had graduated. And the society moved on past me. Uh, but I had grown to love that society. It was mine in so many ways. I had changed the way it operated so much that it was, I'd essentially recreated it from the ground up. And uh, it was something that meant a lot to me. And all my friends were there. So I played this scene because it is my belief that goodbyes should entail, hopefully, some way of meeting again. Um, you know, uh, there are some times where goodbyes are permanent. And those hurt far more uh, than they should. But they do. Uh, and I'd like to believe that when we encounter someone, we are intrinsically tied to them in a way that maybe means that someday down the line, we will encounter them again. Whether it's through random means or through, uh, you know, just seeing each other one time or not even saying hello, but just passing each other by on the street. I'd like to think that it ties us together in some way. And so... The, I don't want to say goodbye because 
goodbye doesn't exist in Mimbari is, is such a great sentiment that we will meet again. Uh, in other times, in other lives, it doesn't matter. We will meet again. And that scene really holds true to me because it's it's a philosophy I try and live by. Uh, I, I hate saying goodbyes. Goodbyes are emotional and hard to do. And uh, so I try and leave it open. Say, hey, I'll be here again. Uh, and there's also this metatextual level on JMS talking to the audience. This story is ending, but this story will never go away. Uh, that's the beauty of art, uh, is that art has a beginning and an end, obviously. But you can go back and experience it anytime you want. I think it was Stephen King who said, uh, I've never encountered a story uh, in which the words, they lived happily ever after, was as satisfying as once upon a time. And uh, I have to agree that there's very few endings uh, in fiction that are as satisfying uh, as the beginning of a story. Babylon 5 is one of the few things that I think has one of the best, if not most perfect, ending imaginable. But I'll get to that next episode. But... You know, uh, when I sit down to record my uh, podcast on, on the final episode uh, here in a little bit, uh, you know, that will be the end of this several year journey on this podcast to uh, watch Babylon 5, give my thoughts of this TV show that I love. But I guarantee you, a couple weeks time, The Gathering will be blaring on my TV. Why? Because I love this world, I love these characters, I love this story. Uh, and I never have to say goodbye to it. It will exist forever and ever. Like, you know, uh, so many people who are involved in the show have passed away. And JMS will someday pass away too. But this story will live on. It's his legacy. It's everybody's legacy that worked on this show. And it means a great deal to a lot of people. Uh, and I think that is something that is valuable in storytelling is that the story never ends in a way. You have the power to flip the pages back to page one and begin again. Uh, and that is a certain level of joy that can be found in fiction that these characters go on these journeys you grow with them but they get to continue on in some fictional universe maybe in your head canon or maybe in sequels but you because you live in a different dimension or a different time frame you can go back and experience that journey all over again i know that that's something that i'm going to be talking about a lot uh when i get to the witcher is the power of story because uh, the Witcher can get very metatextual about the fact that it is a story, and it's a story within a story, uh, and uh, the social and political ramifications of a story and how it can affect you personally. And so there are no goodbyes to stories. There's only once upon a time. Now, the linear stuff... Uh, people see this as a bit controversial. I don't. 
Uh, Bill Mummy plays Lanier, famously hates this. I don't understand why. Uh, so Lanier uh, is obviously incredibly jealous of Sheridan, and this is the his big moment. There's a, there's an issue with the coolant system uh, on the White Star. Uh, you know, it's releasing toxic gas. People are fleeing the area. Of course, Sheridan rushes in to help people because that's Sheridan for you. Um, and uh, he's always been the consummate soldier, the person who does everything he can to help. Uh, and Lanier is there, and uh, he could very well help Sheridan and open the door, but he hesitates, hesitates again, pulls his hand away, and runs off. Uh, and some people see this as an assassination of Lanier's character. No, it is not. The reason being, this is perfectly in keeping with who he is and, and how he is. Ever since the beginning, he's been insistent on certain Membari traditions. And it is his firm, firm belief that the union between Sheridan and Lin is almost sacrilegious. That the love between a Membari and another Membari is more pure, more correct than the love between a human and a Membari. Uh, he is obviously completely false in this, but it is a belief he has held for seasons now. His constant adherence to Membari dogma when it comes to those feelings, because it, it matters to him. As much as he continues with the lens philosophy of breaking tradition when it needs to be, he also tries and upholds the tradition that means something to him. And well, if it says in traditional standpoint that he should be with the Lin and not share that, of course he's going to believe that tradition. It's always been his way. Uh, and he realizes he did wrong. Not even a minute later, after he's down the hall, he stops, turns, hesitates, goes, I can't do this, and runs back. He immediately regrets his decision. And then he runs off and grabs a fighter and then leaves because he's too ashamed of what happened. As Delenn says, there are moments in your life where, uh, due to stress or some other situations, you end up acting not like yourself. You end up doing something that you never thought you could do or would do. And then you spend the rest of your life looking back at those moments in shame and contempt and attempt to make amends for it. I have made mistakes. Times that I have made decisions that I look back on and why did I make that decision? That's not keeping with who I am. That's because situations and contextual feelings can change the matter of a man. Uh, you know, we love to think that we are concrete people who do not change and grow, but we do. It's subtle, very, very, very subtle, uh, the ways we change and we grow on a personal and personality scale. Uh, and so to have a moment where the, the, the sort of light switches on in your brain and you do something that you never thought you would do, I've had it happen. I guarantee everybody listening to this has had it happen. And this was Lanier's moment. And he feels incredibly sorry for what happened. Uh, you know, when he calls Delin later, you know, essentially he's it's a suicide note. Essentially it's saying, I cannot 
make amends for what I did. What I did is irredeemable. What I did is horrible. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try and do something that will make you proud of me. Make you forgive me. And essentially what he's saying is I'm going to martyr myself in hopes that you will respect me in death. Uh, his death has never been told in any short stories or anything like that. Uh, or, or books. However, uh, JMS has given some hints occasionally at, in interviews, and it happens during the telepath war. So one would assume that he went and he fought for a cause that he believed that Lynn would believe in uh, to try and earn her respect and end up dying uh, in hopes that dying for a cause she respects would it would renew that respect even though that respect never diminished that her and Sheridan even especially Sheridan the good man that he is says that he was willing to forgive him he didn't need to earn back that respect but he felt like it we spend our lives essentially trying to make up for certain you know, mistakes we have made. And sometimes those mistakes are great, and sometimes those mistakes are small. But they irrevocably hurt us in a way that is uh, sometimes good and sometimes bad. In Lanier's case, it was a split decision that he regrets, and now he's making even worse decisions in an attempt to atone. An atonement he does not need. Londo's appearance in this episode is really, really sad. So he's there on behalf of the Drock and the Keeper to give this special urn to Sheridan uh, so that when their child comes of age, uh, that David is given the urn and the urn contains a Keeper within uh, that will then take control of the, you know, uh, one of the more important people in the galaxy's future because he is the... Uh, offspring of two of the most important people. So obviously his word and opinion will have weight. Uh, that's that's the situation we have here, is that Londo didn't want to do this. Uh, he even asks for alcohol at one point. And of course Sheridan has decided not to uh, bring alcohol. He's decided to quit drinking because alcohol is dangerous around Mimbari. It produces homicidal thoughts around them. So it's best to uh, not chance it, which is understandable, but that means that Londo couldn't warn them, couldn't say a damn thing. He also couldn't spend the time with his friends that he intended to. He wanted to be free of the Keeper's influence for just a moment to say what he wanted to say, but he couldn't. Everything he had to say was couched in, uh, you know, half-truths uh, and misdirection. There's even this wonderful scene just before he leaves where he pleads them to understand that no matter what happens, I am your friend. And that's just him telling them, please, please understand what I'm doing is not of my own accord. Please understand I do not mean you harm. And that is the sad truth of Londo's situation. He is a, you know, a prisoner in his own body and he will be for many, many, many years to come. Uh, that is truly, truly sad. Uh, next episode won't feature him because it will have it will take place uh, during a time frame in which he's already dead. Uh, so this is 
essentially the last time we see Londo the, uh, in the show. Uh, canonically speaking, the last time we see him is, of course, War Without End, uh, where Jakar kills him out of mercy. Uh, and um, the scenes leading up to that and what happened with the Keeper for David uh, can be uh, explored uh, in one of the books, uh, the book trilogy. Uh, uh, there, there are several B5 books, Canonicity on some of them are iffy, but any ones that uh, GMS wrote the outline for, they are completely canon, and in the case of the Centauri Trilogy, they are absolutely canon. Um, and and I, I find it interesting just to say that uh, the, the Keeper for David feels like uh, an idea... Uh, a holdover from the original concepts, uh, but it still works as sort of a threat to future society. But in uh, in the original draft, I think I've mentioned this way back in season one, that uh, David was supposed to be the founder of the ISA. That uh, the war without end, they were taking Babylon 4 into the future, and in that it would cause the child of then Delin and Sinclair to age rapidly, and that would be a grown-up David. Uh, and so obviously this Keeper thing probably would have more prevalence then, uh, but it still holds a certain menace even in this form, uh, no matter how much the story has changed in the interim. In the final scene where uh, Sheridan sits down and he records a message for David knowing that he won't be around long enough to see his son fully grow up uh, and go and basically teach him life lessons that he has learned throughout his life. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful scene, and it's a scene that I try and hold to myself. Uh, it has a lot of messages uh, that uh, basically I have taken to my heart, especially the one of, uh, you know, life is change and people will change and sometime down the road your friends may diverge. Uh, remember them for, you know, who they are and, and what they were. Uh, and I think that, that that holds special meaning because of events that happened almost a year ago for me. Um, but also... It's a good life lesson, and there's a lot of great little bits. Uh, and I like how the final lesson he departs, of course, is the first lesson his father gave him. Never start a fight, but always finish it. And of course, that sweet little scene uh, with Dylan and Sheridan uh, saying how much they love each other. It's it's adorable, um, and it, it's just this nice little comfy scene to get us ready for the heartbreak of the next episode. Uh, but this episode can it tugs the heartstrings. I mean, there are bits that are quote unquote cheesy, like the salute scene, uh, the saluting the new guard and the old guard as they leave. B five is uh, can be seen as a bit cheesy, but it's the kind of good cheese that you want the the tear jerky cheese, the melodramatic cheese. It's great. So this episode is a wonderful goodbye to these characters in their current form, their current state. Next episode, we jump to the future when Sheridan will simply stop. Until then, bye.